I would like to welcome everybody to this week's teaching session on the biblical festivals. In this session, we are going to be doing a study on the festival of unleavened bread, which in Hebrew is Hag Hamatzah. Unleavened bread is a seven-day festival that is linked with Passover. Passover is celebrated the 14th day of the first month. The name of that month biblically is Aviv. It's also known by the Babylonian name as Nisan. In Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 6, we're told about unleavened bread. And it says, And on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. The festival of unleavened bread, therefore, is from the 15th to the 21st days of the first month in the biblical religious year. In Leviticus chapter 23, verses 6 through 8, it is written, And on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. In the first day you shall have a holy convocation, you shall do no servile work therein. But you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. In the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. Passover is the 14th day of the first month, which is immediately followed by the seven days of unleavened bread, which is from the 15th to the 21st day of the first month known as Aviv or Nisan. In Leviticus chapter 23, verses 7 and 8, we can see that as it relates to the celebration of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that the first in the seventh days are to be Sabbath. In the first day you shall have a holy convocation, you shall do no servile work therein, but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. In the seventh day is a holy convocation, you shall do no servile work therein. It is designated that the first day of unleavened bread and the last day of unleavened bread, which would be the 15th and the 21st days of the first month, these days are designated Sabbath days. The designated Sabbath day is known as a high Sabbath, distinguishing itself from the weekly Sabbath. What is a high Sabbath? A high Sabbath is a special designated Sabbath day by the God of Israel, which is separate and distinct from the weekly Sabbath. A high Sabbath is known in Hebrew as a Shabbaton. Shabbaton is the Strong's number 7677. Therefore, the first and the last days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread are designated as Sabbath days or as high Sabbaths. The Passover lamb is to be eaten with unleavened bread. 
we can see this from Exodus chapter 12, verses 5 and 6 and verse 8, as it is written. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. The whole congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So in commanding to eat the Passover lamb, it says in Exodus chapter 12 verse 8, you shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire, and specifically you're to eat the lamb with unleavened bread. What is the spiritual meaning and application of this? Yeshua is the lamb of the God of Israel who takes away the sins of the world. In John chapter 1 verse 29 it says, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Yeshua is our Passover Lamb. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 it is written, Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Messiah, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. What is the spiritual meaning and application of eating the lamb and eating the flesh of the lamb? It spiritually represents believing the gospel of Yeshua. How do we understand that? That is because in Exodus chapter 12 verse 8 it says, They shall eat the flesh in that night roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. The Hebrew word flesh is the Strong's number 1320. It's the Hebrew word basar which means flesh or the body itself. It can refer to a, the flesh of a human being or a flesh of an animal. This word basar also means in Hebrew good news to proclaim good news, to publish good news, to preach good news. It means good news itself. It is the Strong's number 1319, which is also Basar. In Isaiah 52, verse 7, we see the word Basar mentioned, and it is translated as good tidings, which good tidings is translated in the renewed covenant as gospel. Isaiah 52 verse 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings good tidings, Basar, that publishes peace, that brings good tidings, Basar, or brings the gospel of good, that publishes salvation, that says unto Zion, Your God reigns. Isaiah 61 verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings, basar, unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives. Eating the lamb, Yeshua spiritually is the lamb of God. When you eat the lamb, you believe that he is the Messiah. Yeshua was making this association in John chapter 6. The setting of John chapter 6 is Passover. In John chapter 6, verses 52 through 57, it is written, The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Yeshua said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh 
of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. As the living Father has sent me and I live by the Father, so he that eats me, even he shall live by me. In making mention that you need to eat his flesh to live by him, the setting of it is Passover. Passover is about eating the lamb. Yeshua is referring to that you need to eat him. He's the lamb and making the connection to the lamb that was physically eating. And the spiritual meaning is believing that he is the Messiah and sent by the Father and abiding in him. Because if you abide in Messiah, then you will have life. Leaven in the Bible represents sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, it is written, Your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Messiah, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. The renewed covenant and Yeshua makes mention of leaven and he makes mention about the leaven of the Sadducees which he told us was their doctrine. In Matthew chapter 16 verses 11 and 12 it is written, How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread or literal physical bread that you should be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of physical bread but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. What was the leavening or the sin of the Sadducees as it relates and pertains to their doctrine, their beliefs, their teachings? The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. In Mark chapter 12 verse 18 it is written, Then come unto him, Yeshua, the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection, they ask him a question about the resurrection. If you continue reading there. In Acts chapter 23, verses 6 and 8, it is written, But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead I am called in question. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angels nor spirit, but the Pharisees believe or confess both. Yeshua made reference that the leaven of the Pharisees is hypocrisy. In Luke chapter 12 verse 1, In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they tread one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, First of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. What is the leavening of the Pharisees? 
that Yeshua referred to? Well, among other things, the Pharisees desired the praises in the status among men. Luke chapter 11, verse 43, it says, Woe unto you Pharisees, for you love the uppermost seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets. What did Yeshua say? The greatest among you will be the servant of all, not that your leader or the leadership is to take the best seats in the synagogue. The leaven of the Pharisees is also their doctrine. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 11 and 12, it is written, How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning physical, literal bread, but that you should be aware of the leaven, the sin of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of physical bread, but of the doctrine, the teaching, the beliefs, is what doctrine is, of the Pharisees, and also of the Sadducees. The Pharisees believed in following what is called the oral law. The Pharisees believed that at Mount Sinai was given written commandments, and these commandments also were communicated orally. In Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 39, it is written, And as he spake, a certain Pharisee besought him to dine with him, and he went in and sat down to meet. And when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he, Yeshua, had not first washed before dinner or before he ate. And Yeshua or the Lord said unto him, Now do you Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup, your meticulous and the external observance of making things clean, but your inward part, that is your heart, is full of ravening and wickedness. A part of the oral teaching is that you are to wash your hands ceremonially before you eat. And if you don't wash your hands before you eat, you are breaking the commandment of the God of Israel as it is explained and interpreted orally. Yeshua is taking issue regarding this teaching and this belief. Yeshua took issue at some of the elements and aspects and the teachings of the oral law which the Pharisees upheld and believed. Messiah is saying the interpretation as it is understood and explained of the commandments of the God of Israel in the context of the oral law is not the true meaning and element and aspect and commandments of the God of Israel which his people should follow. What is the difference and the distinction between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and how can we relate their beliefs to today? The ancient Pharisees became what is referred to today as Rabbinic Judaism. I'm going to read from the Wikipedia Encyclopedia. The Pharisees from the Hebrew parashim, from parash, meaning to separate, were depending on the time a political party or a social movement and a school of thought among Jews that flourished during the Second Temple era, which is regarded as being from 536 before the Common Era to the year 70. 
After the destruction of the second temple, Pharisaic Judaism came to be known as Rabbinic Judaism and then simply Judaism. The Pharisees were an ancient sect of Judaism. They existed during the time of Rabbis Hillel the Elder and Shammai and during the time of Yeshua. They are the direct predecessor to what eventually became known as Rabbinic Judaism. So the belief system of the biblical Pharisees in believing that there's a written law and an oral law and you are to obey the oral law in the context and interpretation of obeying the commandments of the God of Israel is the same belief system today of Rabbinic Judaism or it is also called today Orthodox Judaism. Continuing on in the encyclopedia, in contrast to other Jewish groups of the time, such as the Sadducees, the Pharisees held that the books of the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, also referred to as the written law, have always been transmitted in parallel with an oral tradition. They pointed as proof to the text of the Torah itself, where they said many words were left undefined and many procedures mentioned without explanation or instruction. The reader is assumed to be familiar with the details from other sources. This parallel sect of material was originally transmitted orally and came to be known as the oral law, as it is taught by the Pharisees or Rabbinic Judaism. By the year 200, in the common era, much of this material was edited together into the Mishnah, the core document of Rabbinic Judaism. What were the differences between the Sadducees and the Pharisees in their belief system? Once again, in the Wikipedia Encyclopedia, it is written, For most of their history, Pharisees defined themselves in opposition to the Sadducees. Conflicts between the Sadducees and the Pharisees took place in the context of much broader conflicts among Jews in the Second Temple era that followed the Babylonian captivity of Judah. One conflict was class between the wealthy and the poor. Another conflict was cultural between those who favored Hellenization, that's the ways of the Greeks, and those who resisted it. A third was juridico-religious between those who emphasized the importance of the temple that is the Sadducees, and those who emphasize the importance of the Mosaic laws and prophetic values, which were the Pharisees. Leaven in the Bible refers to as the works of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Leaven is also those things which the God of Israel hates. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, it is written, These six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, 
a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord among brethren. The people at Corinth were people who had problems with their flesh. Now we're going to look at some of the leaven that is mentioned of the people in Corinth. First, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 20 and 21. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 says, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 20 and 21, For I fear lest when I come I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as you would not, lest there be debates, envyings, wrath, strives, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults. And lest when I come again my God will humble me among you, and that I shall Bewail many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. Unleaven represents without sin. In Leviticus chapter 19 verse 2 and then in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 15 and 16 it is written, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them, You shall be holy, which means to be set apart. For I, the Lord your God, am holy, set apart. But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, which means how you live your lives. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. The commandment regarding the festival of unleavened bread is that no leaven which represents sin shall be in our houses or eaten for seven days in exodus chapter 12 verse 15 and then exodus chapter 12 verses 19 and 20 it is written seven days shall you eat unleavened bread even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses for whosoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eats that which is leaven, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your habitations. You shall eat unleavened bread. What does this spiritually mean? represent or communicate to us as believers in Yeshua as the Messiah we are his house in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6 and then in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5 it is written but Messiah as a son over his own house whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Yeshua HaMashiach. Our body is the temple or the house of the Ruach HaKodesh or the Holy Spirit. 
1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man defile the temple of God, how do you defile the temple of God? By sinning, leaven. Him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, it's set apart, which temple you are. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, it is also specified to us that our body is the temple of the Ruach HaKodesh, or the Holy Spirit. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. You've been redeemed out of Egypt. And spiritually, we've been bought by the blood of Yeshua. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This concept is also communicated to us that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 through 18. And what concord has Messiah with Belial? Or what hath he that believes with an infidel? In what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, which means holy, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, that is sin or leaven, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, the commandment that you are to eat the flesh of the lamb with unleavened bread spiritually means believe the gospel, believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. That's how you eat the flesh of the lamb. And once you believe that he's the Messiah, also eat unleavened bread, which means don't sin. Don't seek to live a sinful life. Don't live in being a believer in the Messiah like you did live before you was a believer in Yeshua as the Messiah. Exodus chapter 12 verse 8, And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eating unleavened bread, which means don't sin or don't pursue a sinful lifestyle, is an eternal command. Exodus chapter 12 verse 17, And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day the eating of unleavened bread in your generations by an ordinance forever. Unleavened bread in Hebrew is matzah. Exodus chapter 13 verse 6. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh day shall be a feast to the Lord. The word unleavened is the Strong's number 4682. It's the Hebrew word matzah. Matzah means unleavened bread, or being without or not possessing leaven. The matzah, unleavened bread, is a spiritual picture of Yeshua the Messiah. Matzah, unleavened bread, is flat. It is therefore without sin. Yeshua 
is without sin. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 and then in 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 21 and 22 it is written, For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. For even hereunto were you called, because Messiah also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Yeshua is like that matzah. Yeshua is without sin. Yeshua is unleavened. If we look at the characteristics of matzah, it's a spiritual picture of the Messiah. The matzah is pierced. It is said of Messiah that he was pierced. Psalm 22, verse 16, and also Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. The matzah is striped. Yeshua is said to be striped when he died on the tree. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. The matzah is flat. It doesn't contain any leaven. It's without sin. Yeshua is without sin in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 9. A name for the matzah or the unleavened bread, it is called the bread of affliction. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 3, it is written, you shall eat no unleavened bread with it. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread, therewith even the bread of affliction. The word affliction is the Strong's number 6040. It's the Hebrew word oni. And the word oni means affliction, poverty, or misery. This is a spiritual picture of Yeshua the Messiah. We can also see this picture of Messiah being the afflicted one in the birth when Rachel had her son Benjamin. In Genesis chapter 35 verses 16 through 18, we are told how Rachel is going to travail in giving birth to Benjamin. And it is written, Rachel travailed and she had hard labor. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, ye shall have this son also. And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Oni. Ben-Oni is the Strong's number 1126. And it means in Hebrew, Ben, which means son, Oni, affliction. She named him because she had hard labor and then ultimately died as a result of it. She called, this is the son of my sorrow. This is the son of my affliction. She called him Ben-Oni. However, Jacob called him not Ben-Oni, but Jacob called him Benjamin. Benjamin is the Strong's number 1144, and Benjamin means son of the right, meaning the right hand. Bain in Hebrew means son, Yamin means right. Rachel named her son Ben-Oni, son of my affliction. But Jacob says, no, he's the son of my right hand. He's the son of my strength. This is a spiritual picture of the Messiah. First, he came as the afflicted one, Ben-Oni, at his first coming when he died on the tree. 
when he comes back at his second coming to rule and reign, he's got to come back ruling and reigning in power and in might as relates to the meaning of the name Benjamin. Hand in Hebrew represents strength or power. In Psalm 89 verse 13 it is written, You have a mighty arm, strong is your hand, and high is your right hand. The word hand in Hebrew is the Strong's number 3027. It's the Hebrew word yad. And yad means hand, but it figuratively means strength or power. Therefore, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 64, Yeshua said unto him, You have said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand. Hand represents strength or power. So when we use the term right hand, it says sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Mark chapter 16, verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. So knowing that in Hebrew, right hand means strength and power, when he's sitting at the right hand of God, that communicates that he's ruling and reigning. He has power with he's sitting at the right hand of God. There are two primary important historical events that happened on Aviv or Nisan 15, which is the first day of unleavened bread. That is historically the children of Israel left Egypt, as we can see from Exodus chapter 12, verse 34, and then verses 39 through 42. And secondly, this was the day when Yeshua was buried and he was in the ground following his death on the tree. Let's look at the fact that the children of Israel left Egypt on Aviv or Nisan 15. Exodus chapter 12 verse 34. And the people took their dough before it was leavened. And now in Exodus chapter 12 verses 39 and then reading through verse 42 it is written and they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they brought forth out of Egypt for it was not leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry neither had they prepared for themselves any victual and it came to pass at the end of the 430 years even the selfsame day it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt it is a night to be observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. So they baked unleavened cakes in that night he brought them out of the land of Egypt. Yeshua is buried on Aviv or Nisan 15. We can see this from John chapter 19 verse 31 and then John chapter 19, verse 40. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, a Shabbaton, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then took they the body of Yeshua and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. 
Passover and unleavened bread, these terms are used synonymously and interchangeably. That is because they are celebrated together. Passover is the 14th day of the first month, immediately followed by unleavened bread, the 15th day through the 21st day. So you're celebrating Passover and unleavened bread together. So you're referring to this entire period of time as either Passover or unleavened bread. In Mark chapter 14, verse 12, it is written, And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover... His disciples said to him, Where will you that we go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? Well, you actually ate the Passover on the 14th. It's the 15th where you eat unleavened bread. But this says, on the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover. Unleavened bread is being used interchangeably with the celebration of Passover and the Passover season. We can also see this in Luke chapter 22, verse 1 and verse 7. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. Unleavened Bread is called the Passover. Then came the day of Unleavened Bread, when the Passover must be killed. Unleavened Bread is to be kept for seven days. The number seven in the Bible represents completion. Exodus chapter 13 verse 6 is the commandment that seven days ye shall eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh day shall be a feast unto the Lord. Why do we do it for seven days? Seven in the Bible represents completion. We can see this from Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day. The seventh day was a completion from all the work which he had made. Unleavened bread was used for consecration. Leviticus chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, it is written, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him in the garments and the anointing oil, and a bullock for the sin offering, and two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread. Continuing on, Leviticus chapter 8, verses 26 through 28. And out of the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened cake, and a cake of oiled bread, and one wafer, and put them on the fat and upon the right shoulder. And he put all upon Aaron's hands and upon his son's hands, and waved them for a wave offering before the Lord. And Moses took them from off their hands and burnt them on the altar upon the burnt offering. They were consecrations for a sweet Savior. It is an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And making this consecration part of what was commanded to be done in the process of making this consecration unto the Lord was you are to take unleavened bread. Part of consecrating yourself to the God of Israel, you pursue not sinning. Not sinning is a part of your consecration or your sanctification. Unleavened bread was used for sanctification. In Exodus chapter 29 verses 1 and 2, this is what you need to do to hallow them. Hallow is the Strong's number 
6942, it's the Hebrew word kadash, which means to consecrate or to sanctify, prepare, dedicate, be hallowed, or be holy, or to be made separate. This is the thing that you shall do unto them to hallow them, to minister unto me in the priest's office. Take one young bullock and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread and cakes of unleavened, tempered with oil, and wafers unleavened, anointed with oil, and wheat and flour shall you make them. Therefore, a part of the sanctification process was taking unleavened bread, which is being without sin, in conjunction with oil. Oil was used for anointing. Your anointing comes when you consecrate or sanctify yourself unto the God of Israel. Unleavened bread was used for the meal offering. Leviticus chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it is written, And when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be a fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it, and he put frankincense thereon. And if you bring an oblation of a meat offering baked in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. Unleavened bread was used for the meal offering as we can continue to see by reading here in Leviticus chapter 6 verses 14 through 17 as it is written. And this is the law of the meat offering. The sons of Aaron shall offer it before the Lord before the altar. And he shall take of it his handful of the flour of the meat offering and of the oil thereof and all the frankincense which is upon the meat offering and shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savor, even the memorial of it unto the Lord. And the remainder thereof shall Aaron and his sons eat with unleavened bread shall it be eaten in the holy place. In the court of the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall eat it. It shall not be baked with leaven. So the meal offering was to be eaten in the holy place. And part of this offering was to use unleavened bread. Unleavened bread was used for peace offerings. Leviticus chapter 7 verses 11 and 12. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings which he shall offer unto the Lord. If he offer it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mingled with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil and cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. So once again, we have this spiritual concept, unleavened bread without sin mingled or anointed with oil, that the anointing comes when we separate and consecrate and sanctify ourselves from the world unto the God of Israel. Unleavened bread was used for the Nazarite consecration. In Numbers chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it is written, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord. Continuing on, Numbers chapter 6, verses 13 through 15. 
And this is the law of the Nazarite. When the days of his separation are fulfilled, he shall be brought unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he shall offer his offering unto the Lord, one he lamb of the first year without blemish for a burnt offering, and one you lamb of the first year without blemish for a sin offering, and one ram without blemish for peace offerings. And a basket of unleavened bread, cakes of fine flour mingled with oil, and wafers of unleavened bread anointed with oil and their meat offering and their drink offerings. Eating unleavened bread represents or is associated with leaving Egypt. Egypt represents the ways of the world in the world system. In Exodus chapter 12 verse 17 is written, And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. Why? For in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, because I brought you out of Egypt, therefore you shall observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. So the coming out of Egypt is associated with eating unleavened bread. When you leave Egypt, you're leaving the world and the ways of the world. When you leave the ways of the world, you're separating yourself from sin, which means you are eating unleavened bread. How are we to keep and observe the festival of unleavened bread spiritually? It is to be done with sincerity and truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, it says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that's Egypt, that's the ways of the flesh, the ways of the world and the world system. Purge that out because you are a new lump in Messiah. You are a new creature in Messiah. Old things have passed away, the ways of the world, the world system, all things have become new. Why? Because in Messiah you are unleavened. You are in him seeking a path of consecration and sanctification and a path where you don't lead a sinful life. For even Messiah, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. How do we keep it? Not with old leaven, not by following the old ways of the flesh, the ways of the world, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. How do we keep the festival spiritually in sincerity and truth? Well, we need to understand what truth is if we're going to keep it in truth. The Torah is truth. Psalm 119, verse 142. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your Torah is the truth. Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 and 6. It is written, And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. The Torah of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and did turn many away from iniquity. Then in John chapter 16 verse 13 it says, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth or the spirit of Torah, is come, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into walking and observing the commandments of Yeshua and the God of Israel. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. We can also see that the Torah is truth from John chapter 14 verse 6 and 2 John chapter 1 verse 4. 
John chapter 14, verse 6, Yeshua said, I am the way, the truth. I am the truth. I am the Torah. I am the living Torah and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Second John chapter 1, verse 4 says, I rejoiced greatly that I found of your children walking in truth. Walking in truth, following Torah, as we have received commandment from the Father. What commandment did we receive from the Father? We received the commandment to walk in Torah. So you observe the festival of unleavened bread in sincerity and truth, which means you observe the festival of unleavened bread when you're seeking to follow Torah. If you're seeking to follow Torah, then you're not sinning. Sin is leaven. So if you're following Torah and not sinning, then you are unleavened. That's how you keep the festival. You are also to do it with sincerity. Sincerity means a pure heart. Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22 says, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, by obeying the truth, by obeying Torah, you've purified your souls. You've consecrated or sanctified your life. You are not sinning. You're following the ways of the God of Israel. Unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See, if you're following Torah, you're going to love the God of Israel with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You're going to love your neighbor as yourself. So it says obeying the truth through the Spirit. We do it by the Holy Spirit, not by the commandments of men, not by the oral traditions of men, not by the leaven of the Pharisees or what rabbinic Judaism says how we should follow Torah, but we're obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, seeing that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. So our sanctification, our consecration, the way we observe the festival of unleavened bread is with sincerity and truth. That is obeying the commandments of the God of Israel with a pure heart. John chapter 17, verse 17. Sanctify them through the truth. Sanctify them through obeying the Torah or the commandments of the God of Israel. Your word is truth. John chapter 17, verse 19. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth, through the Torah. Why and how are you sanctified through the Torah? Because if you're following the Torah, you're not sinning. You're not sanctified by sinning. You get sanctified by not sinning. You first receive the salvation of Messiah, the blood of Messiah forgives you of your sins, but then you live a life where it is not a sinful lifestyle. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. It was a commandment to be sanctified for Passover in Second Chronicles chapter 35, verses 1 and 2 and verse 6. Moreover, Josiah kept a Passover under the Lord in Jerusalem, and they killed the Passover on the 14th day of the first month. And he set the priests in their charges and encouraged them to the service of the house of the Lord. So kill the Passover and sanctify yourselves and prepare your brethren that they may do according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. A requirement for marriage is that we be sanctified. Of course, this marriage is unto the God of Israel. 
spiritually is what this is referring to. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 10, and then verses 14 through 17, it is written, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. Wash their clothes means remove the sin from your life. And Moses went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people. How are they sanctified? By washing their clothes, by removing the sin in your life. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. Moses is being the escort of the nation of Israel, who is the bride, and he's bringing them to Mount Sinai, where the marriage will take place, and the marriage vows are exchanged. The priests are to be sanctified. Leviticus chapter 8, verse 30. And Moses took of the anointing oil and of the blood which was upon the altar and sprinkled it upon Aaron and upon his garments and upon his sons and upon his sons' garments with him and sanctified Aaron. Aaron is of the priesthood and his garments and his sons and his sons' garments with him. We are sanctified in Yeshua the Messiah. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4 and verse 7, it is written, Furthermore then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Yeshua, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk, how are we to walk? By keeping the commandments of the God of Israel, by following Torah, and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Yeshua for this is the will of God what keeping his commandments which is your sanctification that you should abstain from leaven fornication that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor for God has not called us unto uncleanness that is leaven but unto holiness which is unleavened bread what did we learn from this teaching on the Festival of Unleavened Bread? Let's review what we've learned. Unleavened Bread is a seven-day festival. Unleavened Bread is the first month of the biblical year from the 15th to the 21st days. The first and the last days of the Festival of Unleavened Bread, which is the 15th and the 21st, is a special Sabbath day, a designated Sabbath day, known as a high Sabbath, or in Hebrew, a Shabbaton. Unleavened bread in the Bible represents being without sin, and the Hebrew word for unleavened bread is matzah. The Passover lamb is eaten with unleavened bread. Spiritually, Yeshua is our Passover lamb. Eating the lamb means believing that Yeshua is the Messiah. Eating unleavened bread means seeking to not live a sinful life and following Torah after you are a believer and have been saved by Yeshua the Messiah. Leaven in the Bible represents sin. Yeshua made mention of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees which was mainly their doctrine, which was their interpretation of how we follow Torah. The Sadducees only believed in the first five books of the Torah were inspired by the God of Israel and didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead or angels. The Sadducees were mainly in control of the temple services and the temple system of the first century. 
The Pharisees believed in following the written and what they regarded as the oral law. The historical first century Pharisees became today what is called Orthodox Jews or Rabbinic Judaism. Yeshua criticized the Pharisees for their hypocrisy for teaching how to follow the Torah. They say you need to do it this way, but they didn't live it. The leaven of the people at Corneth was mainly sensual desires and sexual sin in the works of the flesh. During the seven days of unleavened bread, no leaven is to be found in our houses. Spiritually, our houses is our body. Our body is the temple of the Ruach HaKodesh or the Holy Spirit. Eating unleavened bread or not living a sinful life is an eternal command of the people of the God of Israel. Unleavened bread or matzah is a spiritual picture of Yeshua. The matzah is striped and pierced and flat, meaning it was without sin. These are the characteristics of Yeshua the Messiah. Unleavened bread is called the bread of affliction. This is a spiritual picture of Yeshua when he died on the tree. The children of Israel left Egypt on the first day of unleavened bread. This is also the day that Yeshua was buried following his death on the tree. Passover and unleavened bread are used synonymously when celebrating this holiday season. Unleavened bread is celebrated for seven days, which spiritually represents completion. In other words, you are to work on getting the sin out of your life until you get the sin out of your life. And this is a process that we go through until that process is completed. There's always something to work on. Unleavened bread was used in the days of the temple for consecration. Unleavened bread was used in the days of the temple for also sanctification. Unleavened bread was eaten as the children of Israel left Egypt. Spiritually, this teaches us that we are to be quick to leave the ways of the world when we accept Yeshua as the Messiah. Spiritually, we need to be sanctified to celebrate Passover and unleavened bread. Spiritually, we observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread when we remove sin from our lives. Spiritually, we keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread by eating the Lamb. That means believing that Yeshua is the Messiah and doing so with unleavened bread, which is removing sin out of our lives by following the Torah with a pure heart. So I pray that this teaching on the festival of unleavened bread has been a blessing to you and from it you can see how unleavened bread relates and pertains to us as believers in Yeshua as the Messiah and it also relates and teaches us about Yeshua himself. Yeshua is that matzah. Yeshua is that piece of unleavened bread. All the things that the God of Israel gave us, he gave it to us to understand about Yeshua the Messiah and our personal relationship with him. In closing the message, we need to always remember 
what we are told in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He that says he abides in Yeshua the Messiah ought himself to walk, that is to live our lives, even as he walked. And how did Yeshua walk? He kept the commandments of the God of Israel. If we are followers of the Messiah, we will walk as he walked. We will believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, and we will express that faith in him as the Messiah by loving him and keeping his commandments, which means we follow and keep the Torah of the God of Israel. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.